With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live to see it, friends, and welcome to the world transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, one that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At the world transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all, the one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So, when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-author, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. Happy Wednesday. How are you, my friend? Man, I'm doing great. Um, we're having kind of an abbreviated week this week on uh, on the world transformed uh, just a Wednesday show and a Friday show this week sorry about that but well you know I've been thinking about this we used to take whole like months off in the summer right we'd go on <laughs> we did we did a whole month so okay we've taken a couple of Mondays off in a row you know um <laughs> it's summer you know school's going to be starting back we'll be back on three shows a week don't worry folks we're here we're here for you we're still doing two quality shows and may I say top-notch shows this week <laughs> that's right so so, I mean, gosh, this first story on our emergent magic, I don't know if you read this, but this is just, this is some well-written stuff right here. This is a, this is a blog we need to, we need to track more often, but we're doing, uh, we're, we're going to talk about some, some amazing topics here this evening on Amazing Wednesday, and they're just, it, it is kind of a grab bag, but I wanted to start with this piece I put up, up, up on the Speculus, the, the blog I was mentioning, why ideas are becoming more valuable. And I'll tell you a little background on this piece. I'm, do you remember years ago, actually one decade ago, I gave a talk at a conference on the future of libraries in New Jersey. I do recall that. Yes. I made a video out of it, out of some people attending and stuff. Well, they are having another such conference. The same group is having a conference on the future of libraries again, 10 years later. And I've been invited to come speak uh, at that, and I'll be, among other things, talking about what we kind of got right about the future and what we, you know, got wrong. What were we talking about? What were we doing ten years ago? You know, ten With years ago, to, ten years ago, Phil, you were, uh, um, as I recall, I was I was preaching that uh, you know digital books were the wave of the future, and you weren't quite sure back then. And uh, I got a. You just any chance to bring that up, huh, Stephen? That's just. <laughs> well, you know, this, I, this is me giving you, you know, giving oh, a little head noogie, man. a little head noogie. You just, you know. Uh, so you go there. Is that where you go? Huh? That's, I see. Okay. No, it's that's actually that's I forgot about that. That that was, uh, in fact, that might have been a year or two later. 
I got to yeah. check the timing on that. We may not have even been talking that much about digital books 10 years ago. That's actually a really interesting point, and I, and I want to I check that one because obviously that has had a huge impact on libraries. But I've, I've been looking at uh, some, of the, uh, some of the different technologies that have come online since, you know, over that decade, and it's really amazing when you think about it. When you think about the world we lived in 10 years ago versus the one we live today, I mean, they seem very similar um, especially because, well, we were online then, we're online now, but it is really different, really yeah, different. It um, really, it really is. When you, when you, when you just consider that, I, I don't want to spoil my speech in case anyone's listening who's going to be there at the talk. But if if you just look at the social media part of it, right? If you just look at what social media was being used then, and what's being used now, <laughs> it, it, it's just it's well, it's, I think, you it's know, pretty astounding. You know, Things that were just kind of wild dreams back then that people were just kind of pitching as ideas are now billion dollar you know businesses i mean it's it's uh and then not every idea of course but i mean it's and you know many many things have been monetized and are now a, a big big deal that were just beginning that were just in their infancy at that point it's true it's it's absolutely true plus things popped up that we weren't even expecting. Right. When you, when you look at things like Airbnb and Uber, I, I don't remember anybody predicting stuff like that because we had no idea. I mean, the, the iPhone existed, but, you know, it, uh, this time 10 years ago, we were still about almost a year away from the App Store even being introduced, okay? Right. So, so if you can imagine a world where there's iPhones, but nobody has one. I mean, you don't have one, right? You know, no. I, was, you, I, I think my, my first iPhone was three. Was that yeah. So, so, you know, it, this thing I mean, exists. It really wasn't cool, real. It, it really wasn't a real deal uh, right. until the second or third generation. It just was exactly, yeah. exactly. And then suddenly these apps start showing up, and they and and they change absolutely everything. But I, I think you make a you make a great point about the uh, the digital books. I'll have to I'll have to revisit that and see when that really when did that really hit, and to what extent has it hit has it hit well, libraries? I would, I would tell you that uh, it coincided with the release of the Kindle two. The Which Kindle one what? didn't do it. And the previous uh, efforts to make uh, digital readers didn't do it, but the Kindle did, too did. But do you know what year that was? Um, I would. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna guess that was uh, probably about 2006, 2007. We can, we can look it up because I, I recall it well. Because the difference was that it um, could you could buy your your digital content straight from the Kindle. And that was the first time. You could right. It was it, a Kindle bookstore in your hand. You had a bookstore in your hand. And yeah, that it, was well, amazing. It, and it was on its way to becoming a, which it still is, sort of a stunted tablet, right? Kind of a, yeah. kind of, kind of a, kind of a quasi tablet device, but really a reader. Kind yeah. of a, kind of well, a the, reader. The Kindle that I had has disappeared as, into an app on my iPhone and my um, on my tablet. I don't, I don't have a separate Kindle anymore. Uh, and most people don't, but uh, you know, unless you really like the uh, the digital ink or the. Oh, see, I don't have a tablet, so I do have a Kindle, right? It's like I I like the I like the big text because I I can read on my phone, yeah. but um, given the choice, I like I like a slightly bigger page because oh. you know why I'm tied to that whole real book model, right, Stephen? <laughs> Is that, were you gonna Were you gonna say something about that? Uh, Luddite, um, Luddite. Okay, <laughs> I, I, I got it out of my system. Sorry. Uh, okay. No, it's okay. I'm sure we'll hear about it again next week. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> any, anyhow, um, this piece, emergent magic, why ideas are becoming more valuable. I, I just, I started, I started thinking. Well, I want to, I want to talk generally 
about the future. And so I thought this is a good opportunity to just kind of coalesce some of my ideas about the future, uh, some of the things that we've been talking about, uh, some of the things I've written about, and just generally some of the things we've been thinking about over the over the last 10 years. And I really feel that if you listen to our best of shows, which are awesome, of course, and you listen to us today, our understanding of certain drivers behind the future has really come along. We've 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 really grown and evolved, Stephen, in our just kind of how we picture how all this is happening. And I think a, a lot of it has to do with common themes around accelerating returns, common themes around uh, the human imperative, and around things like uh, Buckminster Fuller's ephemeralization. We, you know, these are these are just ideas we come back to and come back to and come back to, and we see them taking shape, and we see the acceleration occurring, and it's it's kind of cool because the more of that we see, I think the, the the and the more we talk about it, the better our our understanding of it grows. But if you want to introduce folks to it who haven't been listening to the show, so anyone listening for the first time tonight, this hey, you picked a great show to tune in because I'm going to talk talk about this a little bit. Um, you know, what is actually happening, right? What is driving us? towards a future that's different than the, than the world we live in. Well, just some basic things. Individual people are becoming capable of doing more, right? That's a huge driver. Right. We talk about that all the time. Doing things generally is easier than it used to be. Those are kind of two sides of the same coin. Um, we can do things faster than we used to be able to, and we can do things with a lot less infrastructure and energy than, than we used to. That's kind of that's kind of the whole ephemeralization thing in a nutshell. That's kind of what all these devices have, have done for us. They've connected us. They've made communication much easier, uh, manipulating information much easier, but also just an awful lot of what we do in the world. It's a lot easier to get a ride, right? <laughs> you know, if you want to get a ride someplace, uh, it used to be a fairly complicated thing. I can have a, a lift at my house now usually in about 10 minutes. Uh, and I live way down in the suburbs. It, it would have taken me half an hour, 45 minutes to get a taxi back in the day. But but just just things like that. Things get easier. Things get more connected. We become more capable. And I want to define all of this as something, a term we wouldn't typically use. And I'm going to say it's like the world is becoming more magical. Okay. Um, if you think of magic as the ability to think something and it becomes real or say something and it, and, it, and it becomes real, okay, magic doesn't really exist, but the world is today more magical than it was 10 years ago and much more magical, say, than it was you know, three decades ago. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. And, and, and again, uh, defining magic as being able to express our will into the world or basically right. you know, having an idea and actually bringing it into fruition. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we've, uh, we've see cut out job. all the steps between yeah. us and, and, and whatever the thing is we're thinking, not all of them, but we've cut right. a lot of them out. And we're, we're going to reach a point where that becomes even more pronounced. And certainly right. in the virtual world, it is, it is more pronounced. I, I, we, have a much, we have a much faster path to magic <laughs> in the virtual world because everything that occurs in the virtual world is data already. And what we're ultimately talking about is dealing with abstraction, dealing with data. So in the, in the virtual world, we'll be able to speak things into existence, think things into existence. And it's one of the reasons that we're, we're 
just going headlong into virtual reality is well, because of the promise of that world. That I, you know, I, I'm just thinking uh, uh, one small example. You know, uh, kick, Kickstarter, uh, Indiegogo. If uh-huh. you have an if you have an idea, even if it's for something kind of some bizarre product that. It's not going to have a huge market, right? Yeah. Um, you can, you know, uh, put your idea out there on one of those services, and uh, you know the the few people in the world that really want that product that have been waiting. Well, why hasn't you know this been offered before? Well, it's only you and about you know a hundred other people in the world that would want it. But here, here we go. We're going to make it because you know you guys uh, are are putting up the money so we can actually bring this to market. And uh, I mean, all kinds of things are done that way. That you know, are, are, are brought into existence that would not have, you know, they're just, you know, that's the thing about, uh, you know, the market as it was prior to the Internet and, and, and things like Kickstarter and other things like that. You had to aim at the middle. And, right. and you had to bring out a product that would appeal to a large swath of the public. And if you didn't, then, you know, you, you know you'd be left with a warehouse full of stuff because the only way to make it would be in huge lots. Now you can you can you can make something in in smaller lots much easier, and you can and you connect directly to the market that would want it, and get the money to do it prior to even uh, even making it necessarily. So and, it's and, a, and, that, and that is a that is a great example because it it speaks to the idea that you know it wasn't impossible to do those things before just was really hard it was a lot harder Um, we talk about this idea of the adjacent possible and what's happening is more and more possibilities are becoming adjacent right that that's that would be the other way of describing this phenomenon i'm calling emergent magic it's where we used to be 10 steps removed from achieving some outcome we're now two or three steps away from achieving that same same outcome and that just brings a lot more possibilities into play. And when more possibilities are in play, that does something very interesting and potentially unexpected to the value of ideas. And that's actually what this, what this piece at the Speculus was about, why ideas are becoming more valuable. Um, you know, I'm, I'm big on ideas. We published a whole book of ideas. And uh, we, we've set up the worldtransform.org as a place to collect ideas. It's not working very well. I'm, I'm still working on getting that site to function exactly the way I want to. But, but some people might say, well, what's the point? What's the point of just people listing ideas, people just coming up with ideas? You know, what good are they? Right? I think that's the, that, that's the fair question to ask. You know, all they are is talk. Talk is cheap. Ideas are a dime a dozen. Why mess with it? And, and one of the things that we're seeing happen, it's happening right before our eyes, is that ideas are becoming more valuable. The reason ideas have less value is not because there are so many of them. The reason they have less value or more value is because they're less or more possible to achieve. Note that I'm not, I'm not getting into, you know, some ideas are inherently more worthwhile than others, which is true, right? If I have a great idea for a new coffee mug design and Brian Wong has an idea to bring solar power to all the poor people in the world, <laughs> his idea is more valuable, right? With, <laughs> right? With, 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 no, with no regard to which one's more probable or any of that kind of stuff. Obviously, obviously there's a distinction there, but, but, but we're, not, we're not going there, okay? We're not going to make that distinction. We're just going to say out of all the possible ideas, generally speaking, collecting ideas and working on ideas is a better bet today than it was in the past because we're so much closer to so many outcomes than we were in the past. So if ideas were a dime a dozen last year, 
in, in next year they might be a dime each, right? And they, they might be $100 each in a few years. So ultimately, what, what we're going to find is that where today we struggle to sort through all the sea of useless ideas to see if we can find the one good idea, in the future, the near future, I think we're going to have the luxury of sifting through all the million-dollar ideas to find that one billion-dollar idea. That's, that's kind of the difference, and, and that's why we need to spend more time looking at and thinking about ideas and why I will continue to collect ideas. Well, that's that's awesome. I mean, I, you know, heads heads uh, I win, tails I win more, right? I mean, that's exactly. That's, that's the awesome. that's the thinking. We that's just you know good, you, you don't want to get strapped with some silly million dollar idea when there's a billion one out there, right? That's the uh, <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> that's that's the goal. So that's emergent magic. It's something you'll be hearing about more, and I'll I'll probably talk about some of the other topics that I'll be discussing at that conference in the weeks to come. But we got some other uh, interesting topics to discuss here this evening, don't we? We do. Um, and this is uh, something, this next uh, story is something you and I both have kind of been advocating. I, I guess we probably bring it up from time to time uh, and have for probably six or seven years, Phil. Um, the Senate passes the right to try, not the right to die, the right to try bill to help terminally ill patients get experimental drugs. And the idea here is that you know, there is a place for the FDA and what they do to protect uh, people um, from, you know, drugs that don't do what they say or that are, danger- are outright dangerous, right? Sure. And, uh, and that's, that's important. That's good work. But if you are a terminally ill patient and you, you know, given what, you know, me- what modern medicine knows, you're going to be dead in six months or less or something like that, it's... Uh, you know, in, in, but on the horizon, uh, you know, there's a new class of drugs, perhaps, that uh, ha- gives doctors some hope uh, for people in your, con- in your condition. But that's, you know, it, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be a But decade. they haven't been tested yet. They, they haven't, haven't been vetted. Really they, they haven't yeah. been approved. Right. Well, you know, why can't a terminally ill person, you know, why, why can't we treat them like adults and, and, and say, you know what, if you want to try that, and you know, and 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 see if it it helps you at all. Then that's fine, because I mean, that's you know, that's that's one thing you want to be able to do in your in your you know in your final days. You're looking for, you know, something to, that you can contribute, right? And right. Uh, even even if you take something and and it doesn't work at all, or even does you harm, and you and you pass away a few days earlier than what they would have expected, then. They've learned something from that, and and that's something that maybe is important to someone who's terminally ill. Is that you know the days that they have remaining that they're doing something that's helpful to the world, right? Make and a contribution on the way out. Plus, that's right. If there's a chance, and if there's a chance. a chance, then there's you know let them have that chance. Yeah. Don't take the chance away from them. And uh, so, I you know we've we've been pushing for this. You know we've we've said this. Uh, you know. I don't know when the first time we mentioned this on the show was, but a long time ago. And we've brought it up from time to time when it's come up. And now the Senate has passed it. I hope the House will follow suit and, uh, and the President will sign it. I think this is a fantastic idea. I, I, what, what excites me about this is, first off, it's the right thing. And, we've yeah. been, and we've, we have been talking about it for years. And I'm, and I'm very glad that people are going to get to try things. And a few people are actually going to have their lives saved by this, which yeah. – which is fantastic. I mean, that's you don't need another reason to like it. 
than that. But right. I've got some others in, in addition to that. In, in addition to the fact that it is the right thing and it's going to save lives, is this is almost a breath of fresh air step in the direction of freedom. Um, I, I haven't seen too much of this kind of thing lately. It, it seems like we, we continually face kind of more and more restrictions on what we can do with the new capabilities that we have, with the new possibilities that are opening up, to the point where you almost think, well, well, going back to the first story, is it even worth coming up with all these ideas? Is anybody ever going to let us try to do anything? And so here's, here's a story where, I mean, the case is so slam dunk, you would think it would never have even had to have been. Oh, there, um, there's arguments that could be made the other direction, Phil. I mean, Of course. You know, here, let me just play devil's advocate. I'm going to put on that hat for a second and make that argument. Um, you, you know, this is uh, this creates the possibility, Phil, that uh, um, you know doctors will pressure patients into becoming human guinea pigs for their pet projects, uh, giving them false hope, and uh, sometimes damaging their health with something that's uh, uh, you know a million to one shot. And, well, their, uh, their health can't get any more damaged than it is. They're terminal. Yeah, if, so. again, the, the issue is, are these people truly terminal? Right. And, um, and, and, and you know, and, and is, there, is there some chance of, uh, the, of whatever it is that they're trying having some positive outcome? And then let them but go. but I'm, glad, I'm glad you said that because that's exactly right. We seem to live in an era where increasingly, if there is an objection, then the objection wins. Yeah. Right. To, you know, to trying something, and it's sort of a heckler's veto. I mean, at the heckler's veto, yeah. or it's the regulator's veto. Virginia Postrel pointed out that the reason that Elon Musk won't get to build his hyperloop is because of the regulatory state. Right? right. He'll he'll never get it through. I mean, that's you know that's her pessimistic take, and I think she's probably onto something. Right? I mean, she's she's looked at it she's looked at it pretty closely. So there's a glimmer of hope to me. It's like, hey, well, maybe he could build a Hyperloop because I, didn't, I really didn't think something like this would pass Congress. I thought it should to me because, again, logically it's a slam dunk, but I didn't think it would. Yeah. I, I, I actually thought it would, get, uh, it would get voted down, and apparently it passed unanimously. So that, well, it, I don't know. It, it, uh, the logic, uh, I guess, peeled across, uh, across both parties, and uh, yeah, that's that's fantastic. I, so, I so I'm I'm glad to see that they've made that move, and uh, and and I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad to see that it passed unanimously. And hey, let's try some other things too. I guess is my yeah, uh, that's right. <laughs> is is my very hopeful take on take on that story. Speaking of which, speaking of trying things, speaking of things that the FDA wasn't always thrilled about, NASA's age reversing pill begins human testing within six months. Now, this is interesting. This is actually a fairly old story, and we've talked about NAD+, and we've talked about NMN, and uh, the, the amazing impact that it has on old mouse cells, turning them essentially into young mouse cells, and the possibility that, hey, maybe it can do something similar for humans. Well, we mentioned that this was going to go to human trials sponsored by NASA, and this indeed is occurring now. And what really got my attention about this is NASA has kind of slipped this drug in as something that they can test, not as an anti-aging treatment, although they, they do describe it as an anti-aging treatment uh, exclusively, but also simply because it uh, winds back the damage of radiation. When we were talking with Aubrey de Grey a couple of weeks ago, one of the things he pointed out was that this is a big corner that's being turned with the FDA is that they're now allowing that maybe it's okay for there to be treatments for aging. Right. So right. Here's, an, here's, here's another one being tested. In this instance, 
you know, it's aging plus the fact that if people go out into space, they're going to suffer a lot of potential radiation damage, and this undoes that. So I, I think it's a it's a very uh, it, it's a very clever way of getting a, an aging medication out there, and it's also an interesting way of looking at aging, isn't it? Because what is aging if not a lot of radiation damage? I mean, that's uh, well, that's part of it, definitely. Yeah. Uh, accumulated damage by whatever means. That's pretty much aging right there in a nutshell and uh and uh radiation's a part of it we're you know we're just exposed to radiation constantly and uh it, it does it's, it does take a toll after a while so this is this is hopeful very good story love it yeah well and and you know looking forward to when we can uh pick this up over the counter at our local local pharmacies i don't i don't you know i don't think it's available quite yet but the fact that the human trials are going on actually would have been good when we had Aubrey to talk about nad plus because we talked about metformin but i don't guess we got into this one did we i guess not what you know let me let me just uh why don't we combine these two stories and just imagine for a second that someone is you know laying on their their deathbed they're in their 90s okay and they're just they're you know they have they've got a prognosis that uh, you know you're frail now and uh, and you just don't have much time left. Well, this person's dying of old age, basically, right? And the conditions that are brought about by it. What if uh, that person could start tr- uh, could uh, could uh, be a part of a human trial for some of these drugs uh, that uh, could help you know redu- you know reverse some of that damage? Absolutely, yeah. You know? and- so. I, I think I think there's something to that, and there's something to the idea that if you look at that first one, where you say, "Well, they're terminal anyway, therefore we should let them try." When, when it comes to aging, guess what? We're all terminal anyway. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, so, so let us try, right? Let I mean, us try. Exactly. Yeah. Let's you know let's let's open up that vast sea of adjacent possibility around making us live longer and saving our lives that is there. And I'm very encouraged by both of these stories. The fact that the, the fact that the Senate has passed the uh, right to try and the fact that NASA is moving ahead with trials on a uh, on an anti-aging remedy. Both great news, both good examples Stephen of the adjacent possible. I mean, weren't you saying that uh, it was about this time? Or actually, I think you had predicted by 2015 that real uh, life extension treatments would start to become available. Yeah, so. I, it was, um, I, I was, uh, you know, I, I think it was 2015 or 2016 that I, I, I said that, and it might, and, and, and I gave myself, I fudged a little bit by saying, and it might be marketed as something else. You know that you know. There you uh, go. And and it has has a secondary effect of making us younger, like a radiation treatment. That's it. Exactly. Do you see what I do, Stephen? I remember your predictions that worked out. Okay, that's how I. That's how <laughs> Cause I. Because you, you are kind. And, I'm a good uh, co-host. So. <laughs> All right. Well, that is actually we're look at that. We've run out of time, but uh, th- yeah. So so there's there's three um, three amazing dips into the world of possibility. Obviously, we're going to take more. Um, uh, in the weeks to come, but on Friday we got a kind of a kind of a little bit of a downer show. We got to do our our 20% of our 80/20, looking at the looking at the potential negative possibilities, the potential downsides. We're going to have some dispatches from the Robo Wars, but fear not, we're also going to geek out. So looking forward to that, Stephen. Great talking with you. Great having you all with us, and we look forward to having you back with us on Friday for the next World Transformed. Until next time, live to see it.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.